This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intricasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss with Ms. Kathy Gerwig, Kaiser Permanente's Vice President of Employee Safety, Health, and Wellness and Environmental Stewardship Officer, her organization's efforts to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions or to go carbon neutral. Kathy, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Ms. Gerwig's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. On background, coincidentally, earlier today, the Morning Consult published a brief essay the healthcare industry's climate nihilism. In it, I summarized recently published research by Yale and Mount Sinai researchers that found the healthcare industry is a major contributor to U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, with emissions equal to approximately 655 million metric tons of CO2 equivalents. If the U.S. healthcare industry was its own country, it would rank 13th worldwide in GHG pollution, or more than the sum total of the United Kingdom. The health harm or burden the Yale researchers estimated is quote-unquote commensurate with the 44 to 98,000 annual deaths, hospital deaths rather, the Institute of Medicine estimated from preventable medical errors two decades ago. The Mount Sinai researchers found compared to similarly sized organizations in other industries, very few healthcare organizations make the effort to report their greenhouse gas emissions via the Carbon Disclosure Project or by other means. There are exceptions, however, albeit far too few in number. Possibly chief among these is Kaiser Permanente. With me to discuss again Kaiser Permanente's efforts to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions and consequential health harm is Ms. Kathy Gerwig. So, Kathy, thank you for your time. I really look forward to this, and I appreciate your discussing your work. California, as we just noted before we started, is once again here likely the bellwether state. But before we get into uh, your efforts, um, let me ask you, obviously, your patients, you're seeing the results of climate change within your patient population. The much-publicized campfire last year in your state caused a good deal of, of health harm. I might note as an aside related, uh, the state of Washington, uh, to somewhat uh, my surprise at least, uh, the governor thereof uh, gave congressional testimony yesterday and said the state of Washington had the worst air, air quality last year in the world, worse than China. So these wildfires out west are certainly compromising your air quality. But correct me if I'm wrong, you are seeing climate change-related health effects among uh, or within your patient population. That's right. Uh, there's no question that climate change is impacting human health today in substantial ways, and there are uh, really two primary ways that we've been seeing that among our own membership and in our communities. 
One, and really uh, first and foremost, um, that I'd like to emphasize in people's minds is the health effect of air pollution. And the reason that's important is because uh, in California, as you mentioned, we've suffered from wildfires that are exacerbated by climate change because of drought conditions that favor more frequent and more severe wildfires. And as a result of wildfires, communities have been impacted by uh, heavy loads of particulate matter and air pollutants that impact respiratory uh, conditions. So people with asthma and other chronic lung conditions uh, truly suffer. And we saw spikes in our own emergency department visits as a result of wildfires. Uh, the other reason I, I focus on air pollution is because uh, the the very some of the same strategies that reduce air pollution are great for climate action. So uh, it's important to recognize that there are a lot of co-benefits to moving away from fossil fuels, and we can talk about some of those solutions later, but um, it's that combination of air pollution and then severe weather events, such as droughts and wildfires and floods, that cause uh, health harm in terms of fatalities and um, injuries and displacement and impacts on food security and lots of other issues such as that. Um, I also want to mention uh, two other health impacts that are important to be aware of. One is vector-borne diseases, so mm -hmm. uh, mosquitoes are uh, are uh, impacting health in new geographies because of warmer, wetter conditions in places where they mosquitoes did not used to thrive. And the last one I'll mention, which is maybe um, an under uh, underreported phenomenon, is around mental health and climate change. And uh, this is a, a little bit anecdotal, but there there is more and more study being done on how especially young people are feeling uh, sort of a sense of being overwhelmed and a sense of hopelessness in light of um, some of the severe impacts on climate change. And this is especially true in areas that have been hit by severe weather events. We know in our own area with those impacted or displaced by wildfires that uh, people are suffering really post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome, and that is taxing on uh, health overall. Thank you. I will note per uh, Vector Born, I just saw yesterday there's the first ever uh, dengue vaccine approved, and of course dengue has made its way to the U.S., and I know just uh, earlier this week, NPR did a story on mental health uh, consequences, adverse consequences to children in Puerto Rico after their hurricane experience. So I appreciate your comment on mental health. Let's go to uh, what you've been doing the last few years relative to your um, power supply. Uh, you had out last September 10th uh, an announcement, a uh, major announcement noting uh, KP was purchasing 180 megawatts of clean energy, uh, and the presser states that a quote-unquote will enable the construction of utility-scale solar and wind farms. And you also go on to note how much, how far you'll go with this purchase of power. So if you can explain again what action you took via the, um, via the news last year. 
we're really excited about this opportunity, which is that uh, Kaiser Permanente will be carbon neutral in 2020. And the uh, primary way that we're achieving that is by shifting from the traditional um, sourcing of energy from fossil fuel sources and moving to renewable energy, namely solar and wind. So what we announced last September, and we are in the process of uh, executing on these agreements. So this is real. This isn't just a goal. It's uh, actually something that is in play right now, uh, which is the power purchase agreements for 180 megawatts of solar and wind power. And what we're doing is uh, this is additive, meaning that through these power purchase agreements, we are allowing the um, building of new solar and mm-hmm. wind energy projects that will provide um, additional energy. The other part of this particular uh, set of agreements is that it also has a big battery storage component to it. And that's pretty unusual. So um, uh, I know we can talk more about that, but that's essentially what uh, what the agreements are about. Yes. In fact, you note in your press release that battery storage capacity through this, these agreements is 110 uh, megawatts. Uh, important to note because the wrap on solar and wind is we only get power when there is wind and the sun is uh, shining. You also do know, and I thought this was very helpful, that this 180 megawatts is the equivalent to the amount of electricity it would take to power 27 of your 39 hospitals year-round. So that is uh, substantial. Let me ask... Um, there are, of course, California is somewhat unique uh, in that there are state regulations. Uh, California has a cap and trade law. So my question is, to what extent did that influence uh, your decision or how helpful is that in your uh, operating under that regulation? Well, we, we've been increasing our... Uh, procurement of renewable energy for a long time now under a variety of conditions and and will continue to do so. Um, I'd say when there are um, opportunities, regulatory and other opportunities, we certainly uh, uh, work to um, advance our efforts through those opportunities, but um, they don't in any way drive our decision to move in, in this direction. Okay, thank you. Let me just note further per your press release that the the solar farm and battery storage is in Eastern Riverside County. The wind farm is in Arizona. Uh, so that just on uh, specifics. Let me uh, let me ask. Of course, the immediate subsequent question is, and that that concerns the financing or the spending efficiencies involved. In fact, I did read recently that currently newly installed solar is the cheapest uh, power available in over 60 nations uh, today. Uh, But that aside, what uh, what was the financial calculus in your uh, motivation to go with renewables? Clearly, the affordability of health care is an imperative that... Uh, is essential to our ability to improve the health of our communities. 
Uh, and so what is great about the agreements that we've entered into is that we expect them to be cost neutral over the term of the agreement. Um, and actually, in some cases, I believe that we're going to see a cost savings. So this is more about, um, you know, for healthcare, we, we uh, use a lot of energy and we're already making, uh, we're already spending a lot on that energy. And so essentially what we're doing is shifting what we're spending on fossil fuel based energy and shifting it into solar and wind. So it's, it is, uh, we fully expect it to be, as I said, cost neutral. And, um, but I honestly think we'll be able to report cost savings in, uh, in a few years. So as you suggest, the improved population health. So there is this reciprocal aspect to this that um, not only you're over, uh, you net out uh, as a savings, if for no other reason than you're improving population health by reducing um, GHG uh, pollution. Let me ask about last year, I think it was, it was actually at this time you made your press release. In fact, I'm sure it was timed with uh, former Governor Brown had a climate uh, change meeting, I believe, at that time as well, uh, was announced the California Healthcare Climate Alliance. I believe you're a part of the alliance. Can you tell me what that's about? Correct. We we are one of the founders of the California um, Healthcare Climate Alliance, and that is a group of uh, leading healthcare systems in California that are working with uh, a, an NGO called Healthcare Without Harm. And our purpose is to work closely with state legislators and uh, regulators and others to really look at opportunities for California to be climate smart from a healthcare perspective. So uh, we discuss a variety of opportunities. For example, there might be um, building codes that are uh, antiquated and maybe don't make the best use of uh, energy in a healthcare setting. And uh, even minor changes in something like um, a ventilation rate for, say, an administrative building where no patient care is offered, you know, that can have um, not only energy savings and reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also provide cost savings. So there are some opportunities that we look forward to continuing to work on in partnership. And I'll tell you, the launch meeting uh, of that alliance last year was really um, so great because it was extremely collaborative. You bring health systems together that uh, work, we collaborate very well with one another, and the state representatives are anxious to partner in a way that, in which everybody wins. So we expect to uh, continue that work in the coming years, and it's uh, already been bearing fruit. Great. Thank you. I will note uh, for the listeners, if you're unaware, California, of course, large state, 50 million uh, people if it was its own country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world. So this is, again, very significant. I, I, I threw this question in. I don't know if, it's, if there's an answer, but, of course, um, there are always naysayers or, or critics and criticism. So I'll just to check the box, if nothing else, and ask this question, 
uh, has uh, Kaiser KP received any any uh, expressions of concern or outright criticisms uh, of your um, making this move, um, or perhaps even caused concern amongst your patients at least? Rather than criticism, we've actually been supported and encouraged by other healthcare organizations, by NGOs and uh, activists, by our members, uh, by our workforce and our physicians. So this is a space where people understand um, that there are uh, critical effects of climate change happening and they're proud that Kaiser Permanente is taking a, a forward position in terms of reducing our own greenhouse gas emissions and acting as a catalyst for not just the healthcare sector, but the broader economy. Okay, thank you. Let me go to a related, uh, very much related question or issue. And you could, I could phrase this as you've doubled down. And that is, my understanding is that, uh, and I think it was over or at least through 2017, uh, your organization issued green bonds to a substantial monetary extent. Can you explain what you did there or maybe start by explaining what's a green bond? Sure. Uh, yes, we did. So in 2017, we issued $1 billion of green bonds, and that was part of a $4.4 billion bond issue that we undertook um, as part of our long-term capital plan. And green bonds are uh, instruments that are, th these are fiscally responsible, um, efficient financial instruments. They are, they're dedicated to funding expenditures that are related to um, uh, socially, environmentally, uh, responsible investments. And in our case, our green bonds were specific to the construction of LEED certified buildings. And so funding from the green bonds that we issued was used solely to finance our LEED certified gold and platinum projects. And we opened the first LEED platinum hospital in California a couple of years ago uh, and and the financing helped to secure that. So that was the San Diego Hospital in 2017, which, as you said, was lead platinum. So that's right. Uh, my congratulations. There, I might say that it would be nice if uh, you could explain this to legislators uh, in the Congress. Um, the financing. We are talking or flirting again with an infrastructure bill, possibly a healthcare title within it. I'll say further that overseas, uh, governments issue what are called sovereign green bonds, for example, France and Poland, and it's the intention of the government to do exactly this. So in this instance, private uh, concern or, or company in the U.S. is doing this uh, on your own. Let me, let me go to uh, one other. Uh, I think we have time for another question here. You do note in that press release um, that you've reduced water consumption by 12% per square foot. I should note also you've measured that you reduced your greenhouse gas emissions uh, since 2008 by 29%. But this gets to another issue that's very relevant, and that is uh, supply chain management. Uh, so it's more than just 
consuming energy for heating, ventilating, and air conditioning. Of course, hospitals consume a lot, big footprint, open 24-7, but there are other aspects of energy consumption making the industry very energy intensive, and that generally is in the regard of supply chain management, transportation, waste disposal, um, reduction, and of course, water management. So could you address some of these other related issues that complement what you're doing? Sure. And just to, uh, uh, for your listeners, maybe, um, when we talk about being carbon neutral through the renewable energy, uh, what we're talking about there are scope one and two emissions. So those are emissions that we either, we either own or control the sources or we purchase electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're talking about, supply chain, really, uh, in, in many ways overshadows. Sure the the part of emissions that we control directly um when you think about supply chain even when you think about investment opportunities um influencing that is really what is needed if we are to be successful in uh in tamping down climate change so part of what we're doing is working with our suppliers to uh encourage reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, we have a goal that by 2025, all of the food we buy will be um, local or from farms and producer, producers that use sustainable practices. By 2025, we are going to recycle, reuse, or compost all of our non-hazardous waste. And we will have, uh, by 2025, achieved a 25% reduction in water use. Those are all, as you point out, David, those are all really uh, climate smart actions. So it's not just about energy. It's about uh, utilizing tools like green bonds to change investment opportunities. It's about thinking about food and waste and water um, because all of that is what is impacting um, Uh, climate at the moment. And just one final point to make is that when we think about climate change and its impact, it it is disproportionately impacting low-income communities and people who are very young, very old, or have chronic conditions. And so it's this is not an equitable um, sharing of the pain, and that's also an important reason that drives our work in this area. I very much appreciate you making that last point, of course, uh, who's the, on the front line of this, unfortunately, as is oftentimes or always the case, and that's the most vulnerable. Um, and that uh, we know to be, moreover, our uh, children, frail elderly and pregnant women who are always at the brunt of these things. So excellent point. I appreciate that. On the supply chain, of course, equally important. Um, again, hospitals consume uh, energy-intensive pharmaceuticals, durable medical devices. Of course, your food system uh, there's a massive movement or discussion. We'll have to change our diet um, as a result of a warming planet as well. So I appreciate uh, your noting uh, these also. We do have, let me just ask you, pardon my enthusiasm here. Um, one last question. You're doing this, um, to what extent are you making this uh, known or advertising this? I, I will say I find it a little bit amazing from what I read from a distance three time zones away, uh, I don't see much press or advertising. Um, and in fact, it's by my way of saying I would encourage you, I hope you would do more 
uh, relative to try and um, encourage others in the industry. Uh, per my opening, uh, healthcare cranks out a massive amount of CO2 equivalents. Yes, and we do work with lots of alliances and other groups that are making important changes. So, uh, And I think when we do educate our members and communities on these issues, especially the co-benefits when you are taking climate action, things like planting and preserving trees, encouraging walking and bicycling, uh, energy-efficient homes, uh, all of those things have, have health co-benefits that are immediate. So we do uh, talk about our work in the context of health and the health of our communities overall. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it, it really is um, a, a point of pride among our workforce and physicians and our members uh, when they understand the actions that we're taking. Yes, a recruiting, a hiring recruiting tool. I thought you'd throw in the word thrive, but I thank you for not, <laughs> I thank you for not beating us with, uh, with your marketing word. So with that, Kathy, I'm genuinely, again, appreciative for your time, this overview of what you're doing. In fact, if I can... I'd like to get back in a year's time or so, God willing, of course, and review uh, your further progress. And let's hope by then um, you've attracted uh, or others or started a, a movement. As you know, through the IPCC, uh, we more or less time out in uh, 11 years. So thank you again for this. Thank you so much, David. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.